Hi, my name is Aparajita Jirigunta, and I absolutely love biryani. I do too. Hello, and welcome to the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves. I'm with my furry cosmic guardians, Cyrus and Bisu, joyfully coming to you from the moon garden where wisdom is nourished, awakening is embraced, and fun is encouraged. (laughs) My guest today is an inspiration to me. She speaks so joyfully about her experiences of major life changes that if I was in her position, I don't know how I would handle it. (laughs) She has beautifully created what I would call sacred activism on a very personal level, as well as a community level in a super creative and joyful way. And I'm excited to share that convo with you today. But before we go there, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) We haven't been around that long doing these episodes consistently as we started this year. And I've been getting so many awesome reflections through my inboxes and by word of mouth. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to all the episodes or one episode or picking and choosing whatever you want, I'm just grateful that you're here and that these messages are getting out. And I've been hearing how you're sharing them with your friends because, I mean, these guests, you know, the wisdom that's coming from these guests is amazing. And I have personally shared, you know, with my my friends when I'm like, oh, you know, my friend needs to hear this. And so I've been hearing a lot of you doing that, sharing with someone who you know is looking for these messages that are, are coming through. Thank you for doing that. And please, please, if you can, just clickety-click over to Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you're listening, honestly, and write a review. That's what helps us get these messages out into the world. It's really the reviews that affect the algorithms and the algorithms say, Hey, like, you know, let's push this out there. So I really appreciate you taking just a few moments to do that on, uh, in addition to your, to your sharing. Thank you. And for those of you who are new to the woke wisdom podcast, please do check out the very first episode. It's called orientation and welcome. And that just gives you an idea of, of what we're doing here and, and what to expect. Dr. AJ is an Indian American social and personality psychologist and a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belongingness practitioner and consultant. As a founder and CEO of AJ Rao LLC, a boutique DEI and AMP B firm for individuals and small to mid-sized businesses, she specializes in cross-cultural equity work, accessibility, and leadership development for Asian American women who are passionate about becoming impactful agents of social change in their communities and networks. Whoa! (laughs) AJ is a two-time traumatic brain injury survivor, is also a motivational speaker, a keynote speaker and a passionate practitioner of Indian performing arts and the ancient wisdoms embedded in these art forms. She embeds as much of her work with ancient cultural wisdoms as possible. She is currently focused on increasing equity for local and regional not-for-profits in India by connecting these causes with art. Family, let's take a deep breath and welcome our new friend, AJ. I just had lamb biryani for the first time this year. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's an emotion. It's not a food. Do you know how to make it? I do. Oh, your family's so lucky. I do. I do. It's part of the 
we'll 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 call it ancient wisdom that has mm-hmm. been passed down although it's not quite that ancient that it's been passed down on because my dad's the first one that started making it but he's 70 he could be ancient i mean hey the ancestors might have been talking to him about it telling him what to uh, put in there i mean google did but we'll go with ancestors <laughs> yeah although he he's had he's had a fair share of like various types of biryanis over the course of his travel in india yeah. so he sort of remembered some of the flavors he just couldn't remember the ingredients so then oh. once he you know kind of looked it up on google then he started experimenting and all of that so now the recipe that he has is um for the masala is is something that he's concocted that um is not quite any one of those regions mm-hmm. and not quite all of those regions either it's it's hits that's so, beautiful yeah uh mm-hmm. bless him aparajita 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 yeah. thank you for that correction yeah. no problem but i actually do prefer to go by aj oh that's what you yeah. say in your on your phone on your yeah uh or on everything yeah aj yeah. yes. actually um there's a story behind that oh um, please tell me uh well so initially it was because i was just getting very irritated about um people calling me aparajita like you know the mexican sort of the spanish pronunciations oh. of the Uh, of the of the letters uh and aparajita is a very sacred very ancient name for the goddess so it would just always rub me the wrong way that yeah. it's like okay so you can say you know chekovsky but you can't say my name you know even after i correct you but then after you know since i started my dei work and since i started learning um you know delving into the nuances of of DEI and the nuances of belongingness and 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 you know the idea of um not being able to craft or create or develop belongingness or inclusion or equity without bringing accessibility into question um my name's not accessible uh you know and that really bothered me more so than the irritation. Yeah. So, I decided, hey, AJ is accessible. So, now I prefer to go by that because, you know, um it is something it it's two letters and as long as, you know, in and these sounds exist in almost almost every language, spoken yeah. language right now. Um so it is universally it is as universally accessible and inclusive as i can make it wow yeah. and wow so do you have like your friends and family do they call you aj or do they call you by your full name i'm my full name if i'm in trouble oh, okay <laughs> you know how that goes yeah Yeah. But uh most of the time um if we're in public they call me AJ and um mm-hmm. you know and of course if we're at home everyone has you know their own nicknames for everyone else yeah. right so and or the relational titles and all of that. So um at home it's different but pub- in public they call me AJ and they introduce me as AJ uh because um I made it a point to stress to them 
the importance of me um, not officially changing my name, but changing Mm -hmm. my kind of spoken nickname to that and why and why it is important for them to support me in that as well. That's really, and do you mind if I ask if they were, if they understood, did they understand or was there a process? Um, the understanding was immediate. Uh The practice of it was Uh a process Uh because it does take time, you know? Um, so, but, but at the same time, whenever they did, introduced me by my full name after we had these conversations yeah uh I would actually you know interject and say and I prefer to go by AJ or I would um sometimes gently sometimes not so gently correct them in private yeah wow I feel like a lot of people that have names that are not you know names that we would consider typical here or, or common here. I feel a lot of people have that story, especially because we are so global, you know, this is not just like in our neighborhoods, but also online. Uh, You know, I've been to or run so many online big summits panels and everything where there's like someone from Pakistan and then there's somebody from uh, Senegal and then, you know, somebody from another country and the, everybody's trying to say each other's name and it's just not happening. And then to walk around in, in the world like that. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. my name is Alexandra. Mine's pretty easy, but like every once in a while I'll get Alexandria or somebody to shorten it strangely to yeah. Alexis. And sometimes what? I'm like, mm. not even Alex. Alexis. I've never, I don't understand. Where's the IS? I don't know. Okay. I don't know, but I, I, I can relate a, a tiny bit to that um, in some ways. So thank you for sharing that. AJ, if you could be an animal or non-human, what, anim- what would you be and why? Mm, uh, now, does it have to be an animal or can it be a bird as well? Yeah. It can be okay. any being besides human. Oh, okay, perfect. Um, well, first of all, supernaturally, I, I, you know, a werewolf, 100% a werewolf. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm a werewolf now. You know. Does something happen to you on the full moon? Oh, oh yeah, no, I go nuts around the full moon time anyway. Um, you know, there, there, there is this real pull, but I just, you know, when you think about werewolves and like werewolf mythology and werewolf origins and all of that, and that the idea of that, 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 um, unbreakable loyalty, Mm, you know, into the pack. And at the same time, yes, the pack has a hierarchy, Uh but the hierarchy is based on the rules Right. And of course, some of the some of the roles are strength based. But but, you know, um, the those who take care of the pack are just as important as the hunters are just as important as the warriors are just as important as the guards, because if you don't function together, Uh then then the entire pack as a whole becomes weak in some way, shape or form. 
you know, so that, that part of it, ah, ah, and, and, you know, and, and, and werewolves are some of the few creatures like supernatural creatures, um, that can actually breed werewolves. You know, you, they're one of the few creatures where you can be born a werewolf, whereas those other, you know, those bloodsuckers, hmm, don't get me started on them. <laughs> okay. So I have a question because I know nothing about werewolves besides seeing it in, you know, depictions in TVs and movies and books. Are you possibly talking about like a, a deeper knowledge of, of werewolves that comes from like a cultural stance or, or anything? Cause I've never heard anybody speak about werewolves in this one. <laughs> from a cultural stance. Yes. I come from the culture of werewolves. Well, no, I, I asked this because I just found out that Sasquatch is, is actually like Bigfoot, I thought that that was just an invention, a branding invention, but it's not. Oh. It, it actually comes so it comes from like a, a culture, like a native culture here. So I had to ask because now I'm like, oh, maybe dragons and werewolves and and all these. <laughs> it's not that deep. Okay, <laughs> it sounds that deep. <laughs> I mean, yes, there is an entire like. There is an entire supernatural spectrum mm-hmm. within the Hindu mythology too. Uh-huh. Um, and this idea of half human, half beast or half mm-hmm. animal is not foreign to us. Like, you know, Lord Ganesh, mm-hmm. um, you know, has an elephant head and, and many of our, our, our asuras, uh, uh, you know, the, the suppose the loose translation would be demons, but not quite. Mm-hmm. They embody animal traits as well. Um, okay. And we have another, um, av- uh, you know, avatar of Lord Vishnu is Narsimha, who's half, you know, who has the body of a lion and the uh. Uh, bottom portion of a man, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the face of a lion. So, so it's not uncommon in the, in the Hindu uh, mythology, m- mythological spectrum or supernatural spectrum. Mm-hmm. I guess that, made me not like a little bit more open-minded when Uh I came to America and I found Mm -hmm. out about vampires, werewolves, you know, sirens, succubi, incubi, like, you know, this entire kind of world first Mm -hmm. through movies and cheesy shows. Uh, And then I was fascinated enough to, and I got hooked enough to then delve into this amazing world called fan fiction oh my gosh yes (laughs) you know and this is a whole genre there and 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 from there you know some of these authors really kind of done their historical research yes um you know, whether it's witchcraft or vampirism or werewolves and no, 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 no. And some of them would actually put their references at the end of their fan fictions. So cool. Right. And so for me, especially as an academic, you know, person with an academic background, I completely geeked out. You follow and- the branches. <laughs> I, yeah. And I was like, oh, I got, I got, you know, I got to look this one up and I got to look that one up. Yeah. And it just kind of snowballed into this thing. Um, and eventually like the werewolf was just something that I personally resonated with because I went through that phase, especially, you know, as a woman and as an Indian woman, um, 
you know, growing up with all of that conditioning, growing up with all of the, you ought to do this, you should do this, you must do this, don't do it, don't wear this, you know, don't act this way, oh, like, wow. you know, be seen, but not heard. And then, and then just all of that. Yeah. Um, now, when you bring all of that into entrepreneurship, into the work that we do, right? Um, you're pretty much, you feel like there's this beast inside of you that's just caged wow, and can't get out, right? And so yeah. for me, everything I do took off when I cut those shackles out and I just howled and I let this beast out. And so that's why the werewolf personally resonates with me because here is a creature that is incredibly smart, incredibly intelligent, incredibly loyal, and is animalistic mm-hmm. without a care in the world. Uh, yeah. Wild. Yeah, is wild. Yeah. Hmm. I I really love that you mentioned entrepreneurship in this. Um because I find that that has been a big challenge for me as well. It's like I when I started 10 years ago, uh, probably more just putting, you know, making business out of my work, what I'm doing here, learning how to tie in my duties and and my purpose in this world into something that could also bring resources. It's an interesting journey. And um, there was sort of a rewilding. It's still happening now that I, you know, I started with just in a box and, and I thought I was out of the box and, and maybe in some ways I was. And um, I agree with you and have experienced this, like the more I just take a layer off and show up rawly as myself, which, you know, for me, it didn't happen like that. It, it, it takes years and still happening to show myself in a way that is really close to my heart and my spirit. It turns out that the collaborators, the students, sometimes the, um, you know, the, the things I get asked to do tend to match more and align more with my heart and who I, who I really am. And it feels almost, it feels raw sometimes. And in the beginning, I remember that was, I was like, no, it doesn't, I'm too exposed too too much, you know? And now I'm just like, no, this is where it's at. This is the place to be. And also I want to show people that I'm, you know, a lot of people that I work with are trying to get there too. So I'm really glad that you're sharing this and, and people are remembering to become wild again, find their inner <laughs> werewolf. I mean, it could be, listen, there is. It could be a butterfly. No, exactly. There is no requirement that there's werewolves yeah. in all of us. That's you could have true. a butterfly in you. You could have a peacock in you. You could have a mermaid in you. You could have a phoenix in you. Who knows? Yeah. Or you could have you and, you know, another human being in you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, but, but the thing is that, 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 that unleashing of that inner. Yeah. Um, that's got to happen. Yeah. Yeah. AJ, is there something that 
you could share with us that you discovered about yourself this past year that's pretty big, significant? Yeah. Um, it relates to what we were talking about. Mm. Um, I realized I was operating on other people's expectations of what I should be as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, I, you know, since that discovery, of course, it, it is a process, right, to realize, ooh, there's these shackles that I didn't even realize I had. Yeah. There's these, there's this box. I just, I literally put myself, took myself out of one box and very neatly tucked myself into another box, mm. <laughs> you know? And now yeah. I have to somehow contort myself out of this box and at least breathe before I put myself into yet another box. Um, so that 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 was a huge um discovery and as a result of that i actually no longer do like 90% of the things that i was doing in 2020 um pretty much like 90% of the things that i received all of the awards for the global influencer awards and like uh-huh. you know the stages where i was next to like greta thunberg uh, and 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 you know kamala harris and mm-hmm. i i willingly walked away from all of that wow because I was like this is great and I am effing miserable oh I just I want to do it I literally just told my husband I woke up one day and I thought I don't want to do this anymore I don't even care if I officially don't have a business anymore wow you know I don't care if people don't think I'm an entrepreneur anymore. I don't care. I don't care. So now what I do is I just engage with my community, mm-hmm. have a ton of fun with them, um, share my learnings along the way, learn from them. Yeah. And I sing about six to eight hours a day. Wow. And yeah. And, and um, my sleep schedule is all over the place, but hey. Yes. <laughs> who needs sleep uh because most of my communities most of my communities in india i reconnected right. with my roots um i relearned how to properly and fluently speak my native language uh, what I, yeah. hey congratulations yeah. thank you so i you know i uh read and write um you know and and speak of course and uh just uh a lot of people are like, okay, so you do nothing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I get to say that. Yeah. You know, I'm blessed enough to have my family and the support system around me where they know this about me too, that I'm not, you know, while I am on this process of rewilding and rediscovery, I love that word. I'm going to borrow it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be permanent because I'm also the type of person that I do eventually incorporate these things into the work that I want to do um, and my purpose and my calling and my service and all, like they all eventually do mesh together. And because they've seen me go through it before they realize it's a process, they can't, brush it or force it Mm -hmm. um, because when they do 
AJ gets angry and bad things happen. Yes. Um, like people getting yelled at uh, or me just being like, well, fine, I'm just not going to do anything. But they also know that uh, eventually the uh, alignment will happen. Until then, it is going to be messy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be very impatient with them and impatient with myself. And then I'm going to go back and ball my eyes out and say, I'm so sorry. I'm just going through this thing. Like, no. <laughs> just, you know, just figure something out. And so that, that, that's, that's, you know, the, the, the process I'm in right now. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm finding out these wonderful things about myself. I'm just really, really, questioning the very idea of how we think about potential currently mm. yeah so yeah that's it's been it's been a doozy of the year <laughs> I mean it sounds like alchemy and it, it sounds like uh it's interesting that anybody would say that you're doing nothing because to relearn a first of all to relearn a language how to speak it how to write it to be singing six to eight hours a day that alone and on top of that, your mother with the family, you know, you just made a huge transition. I, that's not nothing, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> well, because I'm not getting paid a million bucks for it, right? So it's nothing. Uh, right. Because yeah, that, and, that. And in our, in our setup, your worth it has to do with job and money, right? Okay. Yeah, I get that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that just makes me laugh. Yeah. Wow. What a beautiful transition. I, I wonder, do you feel though you were ready to walk away? Obviously it was the right time. It, you're ready. Do you feel any grief for that old life? Sometimes I yeah. think that's natural, right? Yeah. Um, because we have been again, globally in some ways conditioned into this very, um, colonial patriarchal idea of success mm -hmm. and what success means. Yeah. And that usually is, you know, it boils down to how many zeros, you know, are added to your paycheck, right. how famous you are, how, um, sought after you are in certain communities and in certain circles and you know like it all of that kind of stuff so it's not like I didn't have fun you yeah. know in that right I did have a lot of fun um it was a lot though it just yeah. was a lot and I got burned out yeah so, you know I do grieve some moments I I grieve like like the the that that electrical energy yeah when you're in front of like five thousand people yeah. speaking to them about changing their life right um and of course sometimes I do grieve not seeing that twenty five thousand dollars for a speaking engagement getting transferred into my account yeah let's be real yeah, you know, because that that does help pay my bills and like you know yeah. um, help me live in in a, in a, in a more comfortable way. So there are moments that I I do um, grieve about that. But uh, when I finally walked away from everything, I think what helped me not 
stay in that grief Mm -hmm. is the fact that I walked away because of the second surge of COVID in India. Okay. And that work, there's no comparison, you know? So I walked away from this right into service. Uh Uh-huh. Without a break of, and I walked away from this because of that service. Okay. Um, There was no break there. There was no, it it, it was me even starting when that surge happened, when these massive amounts of, you know, that started um, coming in because of that surge in India. Yeah. Uh, and so many of my community was affected. Helping them through their grief in that moment is what helped me realize I'm miserable. I mean, I'm successful here. Yeah. But in many ways, I'm miserable. Wow. And while that work is literally thankless, like, you know, helping supporting people through their grief and 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 having to um <clears throat> verify reports of hundreds of deaths per day and verify like where the beds are oxygen you know shortages all wow. of this all of this work while um it is exhausting yeah. emotionally mm-hmm. and overwhelming um, it just made more sense. It, it's, it, it's, it's more needed. It was more yeah. needed. It just made more sense. It was where I could really tap into that purpose and calling and not think about my purpose and calling as a paycheck. Uh-huh. So that's where that shift happened for me. So, um, it was easy for me to walk away in my yeah. Oh, I love that. I have that challenge sometimes myself where I'm like this, the, I wouldn't call it survival mode, but, but looking at my work as this is my sole means of resources. And so it, it needs to make money. The need for it to make money kind of strips away my original intention in creating it. And that blocks me in, in doing my best, my best work. And I found, and I'd love for you to speak on this if you, if you relate, I found that there was this level of uh, faith and trust that I developed in sort of whatever you want to call it, spirit source, the energy around me, whatever just whoever's, whoever has my back, right? I found that it was important for me to have this deep faith and trust that if I just do this work that's in my heart in the way that makes sense for me and is aligned for me, that I'm creating to be of value to others, that this team around me will support me because they know I need you know, resources to live in a house and eat food that, that I will be supported. The belief in that required me to be very trusting of forces outside of me and have faith that even if times are hard, like 
this, this is going to be something that I can keep going and not have to split my focus so much, having a job and gigs, doing other things I don't want to be doing. Did you, your situation is a little different than mine, but did you have interactions with the ideas of faith or trust um, when you were, when you were sort of in this, in this time of, you know, letting go of the, the bigger paychecks and, and, and that, and moving into this other way of this work that is thankless and um, emotionally exhausting? Absolutely. Um, I think that's actually really important for us to remember, right? That it's not just in those moments of transition. We need to be talking to whatever, spirit, Mm -hmm. universe, the divine, whatever. We need to be talking to them every day. We need to be checking in with them every day, even on good days. You know, and I'm still on that journey. Yeah. But that's what I remind myself of. That's what I'm starting to realize is, yes, there is a, a huge sense of, I don't know how this will work out. (laughs) but I am going to just do it anyway and trust that it'll happen. Mm -hmm. Trust that I'll be okay. It'll happen. I don't know how, don't ask me the house. Don't ask, don't, 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 no more details. Oh, that's so hard. This is going to happen. That's so hard for me to do. I'm learning, but that is so difficult for me to do. It is, it is, it is. Um, (laughs) That's why I said it's an ongoing thing because every single day there, there, there's at least one moment where I'm passing by a mirror in the house and I happen to look at myself and I'm like, you know, you're out of your damn mind, right? <laughs> you gotta be. Um, and then I still go do what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, uh, um, embracing it. You know, like you, 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 you gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand that at certain point, sanity is overrated. <laughs> you yeah, know, agreed. And uh, because if nobody that believes one hundred percent in sanity and logic and all of yes. that reason, faith and trust don't come into the picture there. That's right. You know, so, uh, you know, at least for me. So, so I'm okay being a little insane. If it means I talk to the universe and I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, or lady, come on. <laughs> like, I'm trying to do this. A little help, please. You know, uh, or whatever it may be. I mean, I like the fact that you said out of your mind. I've heard this phrase. I've used this phrase my whole life, right? But something just dropped in for me. Um, last night I went to the documentary Voices of the Wisdom Keepers, and one of the elders there was talking about Ilarion. Uh, uh, I'm going to say the last name wrong, but Metricliff. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes somewhere so people can find it. Um, but he was talking about this thing that we all hear, but it was a great reminder, which is start from your heart. Your mind, you know, your mind is not going to lead you to the right place, get out of the monkey chatter. It's, it always starts at the heart. And so just now when you said, you know, you're out of your mind, it's like, 
great. Like in this culture, especially it's time for us to get out of our minds. So that I feel like that's in some ways like this sacred meditation that, that if we answer the call right now is, is totally ready for us to do. And I catch myself often when it's all of a sudden it's like all of my head, everything's in my head and trying to perfect. And, and like you said, the, the faith and the trust, just, there's no room for that. It's just like, I need to know, I need to control. My mind is the supreme ruler of my life. You know, that's a supremacy. And it's like, nah, nah, because then comes worry and anxiety and resentment and, uh, and judgment if the control didn't work. Mm-mm. I just turned my video off because my dog is going nuts behind me. So I'm going to move. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, absolutely. Right. And especially what you said about the mind being like this supreme ruler of your world or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, take it from a two-time brain injury survivor. Oh. Your brain ain't all that. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if you're relying on just your brain, ah. Uh, Am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. (laughs) I guarantee you, your brain's going to screw you over. Yeah. You know, um, you're absolutely right. Heart first, because the brain has such clever, sneaky ways of tricking us into this world of Maya, this world of the assumption mm-hmm. that our perception is reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. and that, and, 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 and to the point where then we stop believing and trusting in what we're feeling, even if that feeling is telling us that what we think is this reality, there's something off with it. I, it took two big hits to my head and, you know, many years of recovery and permanent uh, chronic conditions for me to realize, yeah, the brain is not the ruler of us. It's our heart. Our heart ought to be the ruler of us, not our brain. Wow. And I genuinely don't say ought, but in this case I will. Mm Mm-hmm. Two major brain injuries. Mm -hmm. I, wow. So how has what this journey of brain injury and then recovery, being in recovery influenced this sort of rewilding, this allowing the werewolf out now? I think that's that's sort of where it all started, right? Because before my brain injuries, I was like a hundred percent sure I was going to go into academia and become a professor. Uh huh. And after my brain injury, I just kind of looked. You know, I was still teaching and all of that, and I was looking at the world around me, like you know, as I was rediscovering my identity, like who I thought I was, who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that. I was just like this shit makes zero sense. (laughs) What the hell am I doing here? Like, what is this? But at the same time, you know, I was 
a doctoral candidate already and all of that. So I didn't want to also quit. Yeah. You know, because I did go into my, my graduate work and my PhD because I had a passion for the work. And while my, what I felt like my purpose and my calling had changed, uh, it didn't mean that the passion for this work no longer fit in with that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because it was the kind of work that I, it, it, your passion, if, if you're passionate about something, uh, you can implement that passion into practice in like a gazillion different ways. Yes. You know? And so, so I finished my PhD. Then I was like, oh, maybe I'm meant to be in corporate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I snort. I still. I just can't that. imagine you. Not that you're incapable. Of course, you're capable. But like, I just can't imagine you. Oh, it didn't last long. <laughs> oh, the conformity. I just it just doesn't yeah. match who I know. What I know of you at all. That yeah. That I was like, wow. Did I get hit in the head? Oh yeah, I did. You know, like what is this? Like this is horrible. So then I thought, oh, maybe nonprofit management mm-hmm. might be better. But mm-hmm. I think in in that particular case, it wasn't even. I won't even. It's. I won't say anything negative about not the nonprofit management sector. Yeah. I think the nonprofit that I chose to work with in that time in my life. Mm-hmm. was just not the right one for me. Right. Yeah. You know? And so because of that, I, um, and, and, and I didn't know at that time that, oh, well, we have to, do, you know, not all nonprofits are the same. Yeah. Sounds really obvious, but a lot of people don't realize that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they think nonprofit management is just nonprofit management. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's as simple as that, but it's not. So, after that is when I became an entrepreneur. Ah. But of course, by then, so, it, so all of these were iterations of rewilding, right? Um, right? Because I was moving more and more away from the conformity. Mm-hmm. Then I became an entrepreneur, but I was still conforming to the expectations of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, and now I am where I am. So all of this, of, co- of course, my injuries and my recovery and my, re- like, you know, my discovery of myself and my rediscovery of so many things um, informed and influenced mm. every single step and nuance of this. Yes. Um, because if not for the two, the, you know, if not for this, I would either be like a neurosurgeon or on a tenure track at a university somewhere. Wow. I, if you were doing that, I don't know that you would have to, like time to sing 68 hours a day. If I were doing that, I don't think I would even be thinking about joy. Ooh, potential or anything, you know, I would, 
my, my calling at that point would be cutting through brains or teaching people. Wow. I'm, I'm glad you, um, <clears throat> I'm glad you took a different path <laughs> and it seems like the head injury shook things up and like opened up a whole bunch of paths that maybe you weren't considering as viable before. Yeah. You know, a um, couple of knocks to the head tends to do that to people. Wow. Wow. Blessings. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, thank you. I, it's, it's interesting that you brought that up because now once I got to the point of recovery where I, um, I mean, I still have flare-ups and all of that, but once I got to the point of recovery where I felt functionable again, even though I wasn't functioning, I, w- I knew I could when I chose to take that step. Um, since that point on, I've called my brain injuries, in retrospect, the greatest blessings of my life. Wow. Wow. And people get weirded out when I say that. I'm like, okay, hear me out. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying they weren't excruciating to go through. Yeah. You know, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm not saying they're easy or pain-free or that I think other people should go get brain injuries to, you know, get these kind of blessings. No, for me, going through all of that trauma, that pain, that um, recovery, everything in retrospect is, you know, while it was absolutely terrifying and excruciating going through it, and it is still in moments now, terrifying and excruciating when I have a flare-up, mm-hmm. um, I would not be who I am now. I would not be what I am now. I would not be who I want to be without them. Oh, yeah. I like who you are now. Thank you. I did too. <laughs> what are you doing these days that's aligned with your spirit. I mean, we did talk, we talked about a lot of those things. It sounds like, but yeah. I know you also have projects and you have relief work and what could you share with us, especially I'm, I'm interested in one of the projects that's going on right now with the music. Yeah. Yeah. I, Oh, that project gives me like literally boundless, limitless joy. Um, I can't, I, you know, and I think every single one of your listeners at this point, like, you know, when I talk about this, will be able to hear the automatic smile in my face, uh, you know, in my words uh, about this. Um, but before I get to that, I am, you know, so I am doing some work. That's why I said 90% of what I was doing is gone. Uh, I've chosen to focus exclusively now on, um, on Asian women, um, you know, Asian women who are, um, 
not necessarily looking to climb up the corporate ladder, but are looking to amplify the power of their voices and increase their leadership skills. Uh huh. Okay. It's not about the rat race because leadership is not a hat that you wear. It's who you are as a person. Word. Thank uh, you for saying that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I still do some of that work and so I, you know, I still talk at a few conferences and, um, but I am very, and I, I, I am, I am working with a couple of clients, but I get to be very selective now because if you're in it for the money, I don't even want your money. <laughs> but if you're in it to actually make a difference in the world, then sure, I will take your investment in yourself and I will help you do exactly that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's some of that's one thing I'm doing. And then of course the the the, the singing project. I think you know about Clubhouse, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Audio app. Yeah. So uh, a lot. I I spent since November of 2020. I've spent a lot of time on Clubhouse. Uh huh. And um, I've gained a decent amount of like traction there, and that's actually how I got uh, first found out about the relief efforts happening in India for the second surge and got involved and changed the trajectory of my life and all of that. Yeah. And um, within the Telugu community, which is a South Indian community, actually within the entire Indian community, where the majority of the influx happened between March and June, March to July of 2021, because people were so isolated, just like when um, Clubhouse first came out here in the U.S., the first invitations that went out and the reason it became it grew was because we were all isolated. We had nothing, nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, same thing for them at that point. So there was this massive influx and, you know, us Indian people, we love our Bollywood, Tollywood, all of the woods, um, you know, just the cinema industry, the um, music industry, the arts. And, um, yes. The, I grew up on those movies. Everything. I grew up on those movies. I don't know if I told you that. Because I grew up in Saudi no? Arabia. Yeah, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. And before there was satellite and everything, we only had four channels and two of them were from India. So I watched a lot of soap operas and movies. And still now I watch a lot of movies from India because it just feels normal to me. <laughs> exactly. So you know what I'm talking about? We love our movies. Yes. Because yes. our movie, each every movie has every genre in it. Uh-huh. Yep. Like. Yes. You, 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 you don't like this emotion? Promise. Wait 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and they're freaking three hours long anyway. So you're yeah. going to experience the entire spectrum of emotions in a movie. <laughs> That's so true. With eight songs in between. All of it. All of it. So... <laughs> so hey I this that's a great thing about my culture man it's uh mm -hmm. our, our people as much as um you know as much as there's all of this sort of um um collectivistic mindset and this conformity and this obedience and all of this like you know um don't talk to your elders blah blah blah, blah or don't yeah. talk back to your elder all of these other restrictions 
man, we're super expressive in our movies. Movies are how we, I think, the only way we can get all of these expressions out because we can't do it in society. Right. Um, you know, so anyway, I'm rambling about this point, but uh, <laughs> um, we have a lot of, uh, you know, the, the, there were a lot of competitions happening in the in the Indian community, singing competitions, because it's, a, you know, an audio app. And a lot of also discussions about music. And so there were, uh, you know, there are a lot of aspiring singers, uh, very talented um, singers and musicians who, for a variety of reasons, have just not had the opportunities Mm -hmm. to create a platform for themselves. Yes. You know, and Clubhouse was one platform they could create. And so these singing rooms and these competitions, I mean, they would draw hundreds of people, um, thousands uh, by the end of it. And, yes. you know, and at the end, uh, and then the winners would get like, I don't know, 5,000 rupees or 10,000 rupees, which really just, it amounts to like a couple hundred bucks yeah. uh, here. But, the, you know, in India that, that you know, it, it, it at least, it was some sort of an acknowledgement to them. Yes. And there was, you know, and there were a couple of things that I was noticing. One is, you know, there was, um, they, they, some of the competitions weren't being run in a transparent enough way to where the ethics of the competition work seemed questionable, mm-hmm. you know? And the other thing, and this was the bigger thing that I was noticing, but also concerned about was great. You know, we're getting together to have this fun. We're getting together to listen to music, do all of this other stuff. But, um, and there's, you know, Oh, hi puppy. And there's, you know, thousands of people gathered here. To what end? And, and this was concerning to me. Was mm-hmm. all of these hundreds and thousands of people were getting together and we're having fun. And sure, some, you know, a couple of people are getting, uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks out of it at the end of the day. Yes. Um, but we're spending hours and hours and hours um, talking about not music, but also nothing you know? Um, and I felt like, you know, to what end, like we could do, when do we get an opportunity to have hundreds or thousands of people together? You know, it's, it's pretty rare. Yeah. And when, and, 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 and we are also talking about communities that are in dire need of help. And these rooms, these communities are organizing themselves very naturally, very organically, with no outcome. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that did not sit right with me. So I decided to design a competition for a cause. So I'm currently running a singing competition <laughs> where, uh, and, and oh, this was the other thing I also noticed is that Many of these singers, you know, they would have to practice on their own and then they would come in and they would get judged and they would get torn apart. Oh, wow. You know, but these are also singers who don't have the formal structures of training. They are self-taught or 
learn through YouTube lessons and things like that. And so even when they were getting torn apart and they were getting, they were receiving, I mean, they weren't getting torn apart in a bad way, but yeah. they were getting torn apart in terms of feedback, in terms of constructive criticism. Yes. But they did not know how to receive it because mm-hmm. they're on their own. Yeah. Right? So, so the, these, these wow. were the three things I noticed. So I decided that the ethics, the, commu- the lack of community focus, and then the lack of support for the singers. So I decided to create this competition for a cause and tie those three together where from the very beginning, every rule, every communication, everything went out to all of the registrants, all of the contestants from the very beginning. So by the time they even auditioned, they knew what the round themes, all of those were going to be, when they were going to be, the timings and all of that. Then on top of that, every single contestant that went past audition, I found 16 trained singers and formed eight teams of them. And so every contestant gets at least two mentors but Ugh. we shuffle the contestants. So over the course of the competition, they will have received coaching, training, feedback, and development from wow. 10 trained singers, each contestant. Wow. You know, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, if they get to the end, you know, uh, 10 of the 16, because yes. there's some details in there that why is it 10 as opposed to all 16? I won't get into that. Yeah. Um, and then this is my favorite part. Every contestant get got assigned to an NGO cause. We picked eight unknown NGOs that with they're small, they're local and regional, and they're already doing amazing work with very limited resources. And they have no exposure. They're caught in that catch-22 of to get more funding, they need more exposure. To uh-huh. get the exposure, they need the funding. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a problem I can solve because we have this community now. Yes. Boom. Is- Every contestant gets got assigned to an NGO, one of the eight NGOs. And over the course of the competition, every round, in addition to the singing, their task is to learn about the NGO, to spread awareness uh, by either doing rooms on Clubhouse or through social media posts or sharing it with their family and friends through WhatsApp, Facebook Lives, however they want to do it. There's no restrictions on that. But if they don't do anything at all, um, that's when they get disqualified. And I have disqualified a couple of people because they try to take advantage of it. Um, and I had no problems because again, transparent, ethical, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and every week the contestants get assigned one question, which makes them dig deeper and deeper and deeper into the NGOs work and support <sighs> them. And, We have actually, as of right now, going into round three, we have 43 contestants and uh, we started off with 80. Um, So we're about, you know, we cut it in about half. Out of the 40 that left, about 28 of them are still engaged with the NGOs they were assigned to and are still working with them. Wow. 
This is accessible for people. This is an accessible yeah. model. Yes. This is uh, like, yes, it's a lot of doing. It's a lot of work, mm-hmm. but it's doable. Like yeah. I can, I can do that with everything that's sitting in front of me right now. Access yeah. my compu- community online, organize myself, write emails and letters, the, you know, finding the, the right NGOs, contacting community to help me like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other layers and many layers of things that, you know, not to diminish the work by not listing all of them, but there's many things that you were doing. This is accessible to so many of us who are entrepreneurs, so many of us who have time on our hands at home. This is something that even over time you could do, even if you have a job and are are doing this in the afternoons after work Mm -hmm. as a project over the fall or the Mm -hmm. summer, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's, this is, and I also hear this, this, um, lifting while we rise, right? Yep. Yep. Um, this encouraging the piece. So you saw these people who didn't have the funding or the, or the access, and then you're putting them in these positions where they can develop, but you're also, in, you're also passing down the, and then having them reach into these NGOs and learn more and they're learning to lift them up as they're rising too. Mm-hmm. That's just a beautiful chain of uh, sacred activism. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it um, beautiful. It, it, this is this is why it gives me like you know boundless, limitless joy because it is, like I said, uh, just just watching. Um, I mean, the founders of these NGOs. I've had a you know couple of them just call me in tears of joy um when the contestants started reaching out to them and they were like I never thought this was going to be possible uh one of the NGOs that we're working with um um is someone um who single-handedly is um collecting hair um from you know temples because we we do hair uh you know cuttings and temples uh, yeah. as a part of our rituals, but also in salons and things like that, and um, has found uh, a, a, you know, a wig maker and is processing and uh, making wigs and so far has donated, you know, like before this, and, and, and this person, other than the wig maker, this one single person was running this entire operation of collection, cleaning and all of that to get it to the wig maker and then the distribution hundred percent for free for, for the, uh, for free for the donors, as well as, uh, the wigs were going to, um, cancer patients who lost their hair because of chemo. Wow. Right. And, um, since we sort of chose to support him, um, and one of his main concerns, and he even said this when we introduced him is he actually has, um, you know, he, he, he got some media coverage, Mm-hmm. And that news segment got something like 115,000 views. Yes. Um, and only 12 people contacted him from that video. Right. So. Right. The exposure uh, and the getting people in action steps and creating community around it so that it can keep going. Exactly. Since we've started working with him, um, he now has two volunteers who are uh, who um, stepped in to help him. Mm -hmm. So he's, you know, he's expanded his team. 
And uh, he said on a daily basis, he's getting at least eight calls. Wow. For donations. And it works. It works. It absolutely works. And I would love it, AJ, if you could, because I don't know when this recording will go out, but I would yeah. love it if you could um, maybe give us a, a list of the NGOs, because I'm sure people listening to this, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be some people out there who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I can do this. I can donate. I can spread the word. And so if you could share those with us, um, that, that would Absolutely. be yeah wow absolutely what i can do is um i'm um i mean i'll share them with you right now but i'll also share um the the, the images that we made for our social media about them um so Mm -hmm. you know you can either put the instagram link in in, you know in the show notes or however you want to do it but we have um there's one in Hyderabad that uh, is called Here to Help the Needy. This one okay. has such a great story. Um, it was started it, during COVID by a bunch of students who had just graduated, but because of COVID could not get jobs. And they were watching all of these things fall apart mm. in life. So they just decided to band together and beg and borrow from their family and friends and started using those funds to do drives for for the needy, and this, so they they they, they 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 do blood drives, clothing drives, plasma drives, phone drives, like you know, uh, cell phone drives, so that people have accessibility to to communications because a lot of the COVID communications were happening through WhatsApp and through yeah. like you know. Um, so, uh, and many people didn't have cell phones. So cell phone drives, uh, laptop drives for students, book drives, just all kinds of drives. And that's um, here to help the needy. Then we have um, animal rescue organization in, in, um, in a coastal area, which is involved in uh, wildlife and domestic animal rescue. And they go after illegal slaughterhouses. They... Um, wow you know, provide um, sparrows in India right now are an endangered species because of the heat waves, because of the climate uh, crisis, as well as uh, certain species of butterflies. So they protect them. And on top of that, they go to schools and they teach young kids about climate crisis, environmental protection and species protection and what to do if they come across animals in crisis, how to safely help them and get these animals the help that they need. Humans are amazing. Yeah, they are. Is there a way for people to get involved with either the singing competition or, you know, we're going to post the links for these NGOs or do you have like a, a funding source for people if, if they're listening to this now and they're like, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yes. I do have a GoFundMe campaign going for these NGOs because, you know, um, especially here for us in the U.S., um, even $20 from us goes so far okay. uh, because of the currency exchange rate and the fact that these are small NGOs. We are talking about some NGOs that have an annual budget of $1,000. Wow. 
Yeah. And so whatever help we can give them, um, you know, is going to help sustain them because I know I told you about two, but some of the other causes that we have are um, Alinga Foundation, which is uh, trans rights uh, and survival needs and medical needs support because the trans Asian communities in India uh, aren't even considered human. And oftentimes when they go to doctors, the they have what are called like you know they're, they're gatekeepers they're, they're literally like at the gates of the compound mm-hmm. uh they're guards they the guards turn them away so they, they they cannot even go in to get an appointment wow yeah and uh so that's one uh we have um we have another one uh called akshaya seva samiti i love this cause because what they do is they take care of um cremations of for for orphan and homeless dead bodies oh my gosh um and they also take care of medical supplies for a community of people afflicted with leprosy in their area and displaced tribals in their area oh my gosh yeah Oh, I just, there's just so many great causes. Yeah. I, I wonder, do you feel a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are learning about ancestry spirit connecting with who they really are. And I, I believe that one of the ways to heal our conditions here in the United States is for people to start working with their ancestors again and for people to start understanding who they really are before they got civilized or colonized in their own bloodline so that we can understand ourselves as, as beings of this planet. And I believe that if we start thinking that way, then put doing, um, creating these communities and creating these, these services will actually be like a no brainer. It'll just be what we do. And so I wonder AJ, Is there a spiritual, like, is there a spiritual aspect? I mean, obviously this is an amazing spiritual journey that that you're on, but is, is there anything, do you, is there anything specific that you can speak to that might inspire people or, or from just your own story that has to do with spirit or ancestry or anything that helped you along this path? Yeah. Um, Gosh, there's so much to say here, but um, I mean, none of this, I, I wouldn't be here without my ancestors, you know? I wouldn't be who I am now without my ancestors. And this project would not happen if I had not gone on that journey mm-hmm. to reconnect with my roots, with my heritage, by relearning the language um, and by, you know, and, and, and also by relearning the cultural elements and really reconnecting with these communities, my communities, my ancestral communities in a deep, meaningful, heart-to-heart way. Yes. This, this, this wouldn't happen because I wouldn't even know about these needs. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so the reconnection had to happen mm-hmm. before this idea even, before I even conceived of this idea in my head, 
Mm-hmm. Because until the reconnection happened, those points of, you know, unethical or, you know, like in the other competitions, like the, the questionable ethics or the to what end or, you know, all of those, they would have only come from, again, this colonial, patriarchal, Western lens. Uh-huh. As opposed to from through my eyes, but from the souls of my ancestors. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. And doing this work, I have never felt more connected to my community. Mm-hmm. I've never felt more at peace. I've never felt stronger in my entire life, uh, emotionally and spiritually. Um, and, and, and energetically. Yeah. And I've never felt more connected to mother earth Hmm. because they, my people are all literally halfway across the world for me. Yeah. On the other side, of this planet. I can't be there. I can't be there among them. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to be at a certain place on Mother Earth to take care of all of their children. Yeah. And that was a huge realization for me. Oh my gosh. That just makes my heart so open. <laughs> and how amazing is it that so much of this work you're doing, you're doing through the internet, right? Yep. Clubhouse. Yeah. I, okay. So We're this is something clubhouse. that, that, <laughs> right. <laughs> I got, I couldn't stay on clubhouse for a while in the beginning because I was so addicted. I was on it all the time in 2020. <laughs> I had to find a balance because uh, I, I had some like great friends I was meeting. I had a group of Ugandans that I, I was, uh, uh, I can't get back in touch with them. I haven't talked to them for a while. Um, I, Hey, I just turned my addiction into my purpose. There we go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There's a reason you were led there. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, my heart is so open right now because I, what you're saying about, you know, connecting in that all of a sudden it changed your lens that I feel is a very organic and natural progression. That's what happened to me when I started, I started fundraising for these kids. I was on my own pilgrimage to, to, you know, finding my roots in West Africa. And I found my spiritual family and uh, realized that they're they were protecting orphans and kids who had nothing. And I was like, oh, I can fundraise. That's the easiest thing I can do with all the other things I was going that I had going on. And I just kept it going. And uh, and when I got there, it was like I realized that I still had sort of a a, a lens of when I first got there, this lens of a colonist is like, okay, um, we need to get them uh organized around this idea that me and this other person were thinking of. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. 
by the end of the trip, I was there for a month. By the end of the trip, I was like, wait, we're talking about getting them organized around some idea that we thought might work. And even though it's helpful, like now that we know so much more about what's going on in these villages and these tribes, I'm like, really, it makes more sense to ask them what they want to do and what they need. You know, still fundraise and bring money, but how do we how do we build the questions change? How do we build from what exactly is it that they need and what they want to do and what they have access to? What you know, what's the greatest desire? What's the greatest need? And it completely changed how that was happening. And that was be, and that really came from again me, similar to you, reconnecting with my roots. It just naturally came up for me, and I hear this story again and again. I'm just thinking, like, what if? six, seven million people, that's it. Just six or seven million people found out who they are, ones that have access to resources and know how to organize. I don't think it takes that much. I think that's the great veil over, over the collective eyes is that it's, it's a lot of work, but if there was just like a modicum of people on this planet, it's really a small number, six, seven million. It really could, <laughs> we could have world peace, which seems like a cliche, but really, yeah. if we could create this, why couldn't we create peace? Yeah, yeah, 100% agree with you because um, that was my main motivation behind creating this competition and designing it the way I did, right? Is, yeah. is, is it, it, it's not for me to organize them. Mm-hmm. It is... It is literally to plant the seed of Mm -hmm. thought in people's minds that community service is neither difficult nor separate from the rest of life. Yes. It can be as simple as breathing and talking. Now, sometimes I get it, the breathing and talking might not be easy. But they're simple. <laughs> yes, simple. And there's all sorts of, of access we have to to breath work and yeah. and, and, and it's finding skills gr- in that. Yeah. And the greatest thing about this is 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 once you kind of get that like you know, all you have to do is get that momentum going because mm-hmm. now I have some of the contestants who are creating their own um resource uh raising like not necessarily fundraising campaigns yes but resource collection campaigns uh, my contestants even though they're on separate teams uh, yeah. because they're working towards the same ngo cause yeah. are coming together to form internal teams all of this <sighs> other all of this organization is happening very organically very naturally without me saying a word about, I did not, that, those ideas, I did not even plant in their head. The only idea I planted was you can, you can uplift those around you while uplifting yourself. Lift while we rise. Lift Lift while we rise. Yeah. That's all I did. And, and, and the other thing I did also plant in their head was community service is so much more than just financial uh, assistance. So if I take out this idea that you donate funds and you keep going away and you walk, you know, go back, go back to your life and do things, I take that off the table. Now what? 
Yes. Yep. You know, um, that being said, of course, if you can give financial assistance, that would be great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. that's that. I feel like that's the minimum that so many of us can do. And mm-hmm. just as a reminder, like like you said this, it's and it, I found that to be true too. When I was fundraising, people would be like, "Oh, wait till I get my next, my next paycheck," and they're like wanting to give me you know, big sums of money and, and then they'd forget or whatever. And then I come back around and like revisit with people and be like, I'm still doing this fundraising. And they'd be like, Oh no, I don't have. And they were all think some of them were thinking like, Oh, I need to give a hundred or 200. I'm like, look, if you can't do that, if you're struggling, which many of us are like even $20 can feed this group for like at almost, you know, in some situations, like almost a week. Yep. And, and you said that too, like, a small amount of money. If really you're, you're listening and I'm sure there's many of you out there that are like, I want to get involved and, or maybe even donate big. And then for some of us, it's like, you know, $10, $5, $10, it matters. It really does. Yep. Yep. Wow. And I also want to, something that came up earlier and, and then it came back was this, you know, we hear, we talk a lot about how there's, you know, evil or, or like internet's bad. And, and I understand that it can be a time sucker and all these apps on our phones can, can be used to, to program or, you know, might create more ill illness or conditioning for us. But I think that when you're really, when you have intentions and have those connections with, with, uh, with your heart and what it is that you want to create, then nothing really can stop you. And you do have some kind of spirit or energy behind supporting you. And it doesn't matter if you're doing it, obviously it doesn't matter that you're doing it through the internet. You can actually use these technologies to help us just like all the things that you're talking about creating through these, these wires and these internets. It's, It's something I, I think it's important for us to remember that to not throw, what they say, throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> Never understood that one. <laughs> the the bathwater after it's dirty, <laughs> throw it out. But but like you want to make sure you take the the baby out so you're so you're not um you're not just looking at it all and just saying it's all dirty. You want to take the baby right. out because there's something that's that's good inside. Right. No, I, I understand that part of yeah. it, but just where this like saying sort of came from and this, this sort of, and this is just like, you know, very tongue in cheek again, like this is like, you know, my out of like my, you know, like my insane brain here. It's like, isn't that kind of obvious though? If the baby's done with the bath, you take them out. I mean, I think to you and to me and probably to our listeners. <laughs> I just thought that, that, so that, that I thought, that's why this one always confused me because I'm like, who didn't do this? Who forgot to take the baby out? <laughs> that poor baby. <laughs> no. We'll help you, baby. <laughs> no. So, sorry. Yeah. Um, as you can tell, I, 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 I crack a lot of corny jokes and I laugh a lot. I, I love it. Thank you. Laughing is healing. Yeah. 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 And interestingly, again, uh, that also happened after I reconnected with my roots and Mm -hmm. my ancestors because, um, 
I did not realize that until that point in my life, like now when I look back at pictures, mm-hmm. my even my smiles looks like an RBF. An RBF? Was that was the RBF? Arresting bitch face. Yeah. What? Oh my gosh. I, I just, you know, like I just you know, I did I did I you know I barely like to smile. And if it, if I did, they were forced and um uh it's it's it, I just never thought about you know the, the humor comedy happiness and all of this other stuff and now it's uh to me as natural as breathing oh wow and it happened through my reconnection with my community mm-hmm. um to be able to connect with people with the sh- same shared histories and heritages and to um crack these jokes that nobody else would understand and if they did like you know um they probably um still not quite know unless they were a part of the community or part of you know this particular lineage or whatever it is um it um you know it just it was expanding I mean to your listeners and to anyone out there to your and to what you said earlier, Alexandra, um, mm-hmm. this it is necessary for us to shed these veils and find out who we are, find out where we come from. Yes, and you know, speaking of you, you were talking about looking at pictures from yourself from a while back. If if the AJ of twenty years ago walked into your dwelling and wished to talk to you, what wisdom would you share with her? Hmm. Um, Start the journey now. Don't wait. Start the journey now. Hmm. Because if you start the journey now, maybe it would not have taken two brain injuries for you to be for, for, for you to now turn into me. Yeah. You know, um, and forget all else. Happiness is the most important. Um, almost everything, you know, is through the colonial patriarchal lens right now. Mm-hmm. So cut the crap, get off your high horse and start learning about who you are. Yeah, that's that's truly what I tell her, because AJ from 20 years ago was. She thought she knew everything in the world, you know, so she had no sense of exploration or discovery. She was caught up in that logical, mind centered um, narrative. Yeah. Mm. Mm. AJ, what is your blessing for this world? Mm. My blessing for this world is that we all start realizing that the spirit, the divine, whatever you want to call it, is all with is all around us and within us. And it is the same. And 
and we are going to experience that collective consciousness when we let ourselves. And that's going to happen soon. It's already underway. Because otherwise, conversations like this wouldn't be happening. Yeah, I feel that. And these conversations are happening everywhere. I mean, the you know, I'm hearing inklings of these conversations happening in communities and with friends that I would, that surprised me. I would not have expected to hear them speak in this way. And I'm like, ooh, here we go (laughs) in our lifetimes. It'll never be the same. And I bless it. (laughs) Exactly. That's my blessing too. And while we take care of each other, we also take care of our precious mother earth. We're going to do that. Yeah. AJ, it was an honor to have you here. And I really am inspired and my heart is so open experiencing this wisdom that's coming through you. And I'm also more inspired for how to support my own efforts. And um, there's a lot, there's like some refiguring that I'm excited to do. Um, You really have kind of moved a dial for me a little bit. So I I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for um, having this conversation with me and spending so much time with me and really empowering, you know, like allowing me to empower myself to share what I've learned so far. Yeah. And you share so well. (laughs) I'm a storyteller. I'm a talker. (laughs) You are, you are. Which is why Clubhouse is perfect for me. I can spend 20 hours on it and I'm like, oh, 20 hours. I thought it was 20 minutes. (laughs) Oh, you are so sweet. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Wow. I am so inspired by this conversation that we had with AJ and well, I had with AJ, but I feel like you're all here with me. So, (laughs) so yes, the conversation we all just had (laughs) with AJ, oh, I, I am inspired to see how the the work that I'm doing can be more community focused and also more aligned with who I really am. And we all know that there's the the taking off the filters and taking off the filters and uh, rewilding as we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Remember how at the beginning of this episode, AJ talked about how she sings six to eight hours a day. Well, I requested uh, an offering of a song and she did share that i would like to say though head over to her instagram because she has so many songs that she shares on instagram the sound for the song that we're about to hear is not the best sound but if you close your eyes and feel into it oh yeah it'll shake your heart it's beautiful and one last thing If you are interested in the work that AJ is doing, yes, you can find everything over there on our Instagram and also the GoFundMe that AJ is talking about is in the show notes of the show. And I believe it is active at least until May. It may extend beyond that. So blessings and enjoy this beautiful song. 
as my offering today, I'd like to, you know, now that I sing so much, especially on Clubhouse and with my community, I'd like to share the very first Belugu song that I ever sang on the Clubhouse community um, when I reconnected with my community and my heritage. It's a Telugu song and uh, it talks about the power of the flow of music through your heart and your soul um, and how that feels, how that inspires, how that motivates and, um, and more and more. Uh, it is, you know, it also talks about the divine uh, and how, um, you know, the divine is imbued in this flow of music. So <clears throat> it's called Swaraga Ganga Pralahane. It's from an older movie. It's um, one of my favorite, favorite pieces ever. Ganga Pravatmi Swaraga Ganga Pravahami Angatma Sandhana Yoga Me Prapteva Santiti Kaliki Paliki Kuditika Gana Sarasi Ruhamalika Swaraga Ganga Pravahami Kundala Lopala Nindina Nindilo Urimenu Megam Minalati Pilana Grovilo Pilavani movilo, kuri senu ragam minatiti. Matin pirai, manitya mai poe, sanghi peratara karana. Swarasapta kali, keratalu kaga. Aganga Pungindilona Swaraga Ganga Pravahami Angatma Sandhana Yoga Me Prapteva Santeti Kaliki Paliki Kuhitika Gana Sarasi Ruhamalika. The original and healthy beats for this podcast were created by Quincy Davis. His details are in the show notes. Woke Wisdom podcast episodes are written. Hosted, produced, and edited by me, Alexandra Loves. My guests, of course, bring their own wisdom. If you have any questions you want me to answer on the podcast, you can email me at wokewisdompodcast at gmail.com or even better, text the podcast at 601-301-6974. 
I would be so grateful if you helped me share these messages far and wide by boosting the podcast with good reviews on Apple Podcasts or by sharing the episodes with friends and groups and families on social media. That would be so awesome. It just takes a few moments and a few clicks. Click, 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 clicky, click. Be blessed and I'll see you next week. Oh, one more thing. They told me I needed a disclaimer, so cue the music. Let's do this. The information in all podcast episodes and corresponding materials the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves are provided for general, informational, and explorative purposes only. It is not professional advice. Any content provided by Alexandra Loves, guests, bloggers, sponsors, or authors are of their own opinion and not intended to defame, slander, or malign any person, place, or thing. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or attached material. Alexandra Loves and her guests are not therapists, counselors, physicians, unless otherwise stated. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast or corresponding materials to treat any mental, physical, or medical condition in either yourself or others. Please seek out appropriate professionals for help. Privacy matters to the Woke Wisdom Podcast. People, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast may be changed to protect confidentiality. Through this podcast and corresponding materials, you're able to link to other websites which are not under the control of this podcast or Alexandra Loves. The inclusion of any links does not necessarily imply a recommendation or endorse the views expressed within them. In no event is the Woke Wisdom Podcast or Alexandra Loves liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss and damage whatsoever arising from your interaction with this podcast or corresponding materials. This podcast and all corresponding materials should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. This podcast and all corresponding material is owned and copyrighted by Alexandra Loves. You are welcome to download and play the podcast and share with others for personal use. Please acknowledge the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves as the source of the material. You may not, except without our express written permission, distribute or commercially exploit the content. Email wokewisdompodcast at alexandralove.com to attain written permission.